Six seconds left, first and goal at the two. Empty backfield. Watson goes shotgun. Ball on the left hash, wide side of the field to the right. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks into the end zone. Hunter up, caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Welcome into this week's podcast, and it's uh, Back to the Future here with my old buddies Chris Cox, Tiger Commenter, at Tiger Commenter, and Matt Wilczewski, dear old Clemson, on Twitter. Guys, it sure is uh, good to talk to you again. It's been uh, over a year since we last chatted. What's been happening, Matt? Life, life and work and busy and crazy. You've probably been able to tell I've been kind of absent from Twitter and, you know, getting old over here and don't have quite the, the amount of time to uh, to vote, but uh, nice to have a blast from the past and, uh, and be back on and, and join you guys again. Talk about the Tigers. Yeah, I I saw you uh, with that cold beer on your 29th birthday in uh, Spain, I believe. So it looks like you're, you're still still having a good time out there. Chris, since we last talked to you, you've uh, gotten married. Yeah, that's not the only thing. Gotten married, starting a new job, living in a new city. Uh, so, so life's moving pretty fast right now. But excited to be on here and talk a little Clemson football because this is always a, uh, a time year I look forward to. So, well, I appreciate both of you guys taking taking time out to talk to me and uh, working with me on my technical difficulties getting this uh, call started. So. Hey, uh, depth chart was released um, early in the week on Monday, and I don't know about you guys. I had a few surprises on there. Um, first of all, I was a little surprised to see um, Adam Choice ahead of Tavian Feaster, but I kind of understand that with Feaster's Feaster's injury that he was uh, his meniscus, I believe. So okay, I understand that. But one thing that caught my eye, actually two things: Xavier Thomas listed as fourth string. Um, behind obviously uh, Austin Bryant, but also behind Logan Rudolph, Chris, and Chris Register. I, I was a little surprised. Uh, Chris, did that surprise you at all? Uh, a little bit initially, but I mean, I think you're going to see. Uh, I think this is probably a first depth chart uh, courtesy from uh, the coaches, just given the seniority of those guys. I think that um, it's been well documented what kind of player uh, Thomas is, and. You know, I think this year, I don't know how much of a role he'll carve out, but I could see him uh, feeling that Vic Beasley third down um, pass rush uh, specialist, maybe from like an outside linebacker slot. I don't necessarily think he's hopping in um, above Farrell or Bryant um, on a key third down situation. But I think you could see uh, Brent Venables maybe uh, put him right on the outside of one of those guys just as a pure uh, pass rusher. Um, but he'll definitely play this year. I, I wouldn't read too much into the four string, I think. Uh, seasons in, he he's easily um, tied for second string, if not uh, locking down the position altogether. How about you, Matt? Did that surprise you at all? I'm kind of in the same boat as as Chris. Is not too surprised, um, especially this early with a, a true freshman coming in. Um, you now Logan Rudolph uh, did show actually some some flashes last year before his season ended with uh, the shoulder injury. I think Chris Register kind of gets the seniority nod. Um, you know, just from being around. So I think that's kind of just a, a Dabo depth chart placement where, uh, you know, regardless of, you know, Thomas is 
could be, you know, the, the second string guy. He just got to keep him at the bottom of the totem pole just to keep that humility down for at least the start of the season. Okay, yeah, that all makes sense. We And we know Dabo, um, I wouldn't say he defers to the older guys, but he certainly gives them the first opportunity. The other thing that caught my eye was Shaq Smith uh, still, I guess he's listed as third, I shouldn't say third team, third on the depth chart at the Will linebacker. You know, this was a guy who, correct me if I'm wrong, was five stars and enrolled early. So he's gone through three springs now and three falls, and he's still third on the depth chart. Matt, um, does that surprise you at all? Yeah, I I guess so. Um, I guess Shaq Smith is just one of those guys where it seems every year we're just kind of waiting for uh, those returns and that, that light to come on, especially uh, I think it's really just seems to be between the ears for him. Um, I mean, you, seeing his tape out of high school, he had all the athleticism in the world to, to be molded in the perfect linebacker, but just hasn't quite put together yet. Um Really hoping he can get some significant snaps this year and uh, make some strides. Um, I think it's it's pretty much due time, almost uh, now or never, for him to show some some real flashes. Yeah, I I still remember him. I believe uh, he's like I said, he signed early in January, and Dabo talking about him at the signing ceremony or whatever it was at at, at the football offices. And, you know, there were people who thought he would make a impact that freshman year. And we're in year three, and he's listed as third team. How about you, Chris? What do you think about – what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, a little surprise. I mean, I think Clemson's had an insanely high hit rate on some of the higher guys they've signed when, you know, we're talking about those five-star prospects. And, you know, I think for Shaq, I think a big thing that's been discussed is that uh, in high school we play defensive end. So, Obviously, a big learning curve coming to Clemson, but you would think, you know, year three in the system, uh, maybe he's moved his way up um, that depth chart a little bit. And, you know, obviously, you know, Clemson's got two good starters at those inside linebacker positions, at Lamar and uh, and Joseph. But, um, you know, it's a little surprising not to see him second string. But, um, you know, I think the saying is not not everyone comes, um, you know, ready to play right out, right out the gate. And I think that holds true for Shaq. And, um, you know, luckily – He's still got two years left after this one, so if he just weathers the storm, um, it certainly looks like there'll be an opportunity for him um, maybe this year at some point, but if not, definitely next year. Yeah, I, and I certainly didn't mean any disrespect to J.D. Davis, who's uh, listed uh, in front of him. If, if we know anything, those Davis boys get after it um, and give their all when they're on the on the field. It's just a little surprise with somebody of, with uh, Shaq's pedigree that hadn't made the move yet. Let's talk. Uh, did uh, Chris? Did you have any other um, any other depth chart items that you wanted to talk about? Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, Xavier Kelly, obviously, with the move to defensive tackle, I think that's a good move for everybody because um, we know Clemson's going to be uh, razor thin at uh, defensive tackle next year. So you got a guy that's got a huge frame, and hopefully, he can add some uh, add some much needed weight and get some reps towards the end of the year just to have bodies in there. I think that's good. Because um, he's going to be a big athletic guy to have in the middle. Um, I don't want to take everything, but um, I don't know if you guys had this one. Uh, a real surprise on the depth chart this week is uh, Amir Trap, um, and it's not for Clemson. Uh, <laughs> if you guys remember Amir um, Trap, um, walk on at Clemson, um, didn't do a whole whole lot, but he is the starting cornerback for Furman this weekend. So um, that was a little surprise, to kind of peek over there and see that name pop up and. 
uh, not see it on the Clemson side. So, yeah. So they're actually uh, a former Clemson student and a current Clemson student that will be playing for Furman yep. this week. <laughs> it's kind That's of wow. That's that is pretty crazy. Uh, Matt, would you have anything on the depth chart? Uh, one thing I was hoping to to see was uh, um, Lee Anthony Williams a little little higher. I was surprised to see him. I think he was third string at corner behind Mario Goodrich, who um, obviously uh, just came in as a true freshman. Another guy I'm kind of hoping that the light comes on, especially with with cornerback depth. Um, fairly highly rated guy, Williams. I'm kind of surprised that he's sitting back. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe that depth chart positioning is used a little bit as a, as a motivational tactic as well. Um, other than that, um, pretty happy to see Jackson Carmen second team behind Hyatt. Uh, I think that's a, that's obviously showed that he's made some strides this season and obviously a, a big position and a, a big get for the Clemson recruiting last year. So, um, you know, if he can, getting around into form and provide some, uh, some decent snaps and get some experience this year. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I've heard, uh, or read, I should say that he, he's lost, uh, 35 pounds or so since he's been there. He was 370, I believe when he got, got to school. So, and so he is rounding into shape, as you said. Um, any other depth top, uh, depth top, depth chart topics you guys want to talk about? Um, I do want to chime in and say, uh, you know, nice to see BT Potter. Uh, oh, yes. Through as a kickoff guy. So I think he's the only true freshman starting for Clemson this year, uh, at least at the beginning of the season. And I think uh, it was either yesterday or, or day before or this week that um, Dabo had nothing to say or nothing but good things to say about BT and just said he's got a special, special leg. So um, that'll be nice to see someone hopefully uh, kicking it through the end zone when needed or putting a little hang time on it when needed. Yeah, I appreciate that. That was on my list to talk about. Um, it's been a while since since we've had someone who could get it into the uh, into or through the end zone on a on a consistent basis. You know, it's happened from time to time, but after about the third or fourth kickoff of the game, they start hanging out at the five five yard line or so, and uh, we know how that works out occasionally. So, yes, I hundred percent agree. Nice to see that name on the depth chart. Well, let's move over and talk about the quarterback position a little bit. Didn't want to start off with that because everybody starts off with that. We know Kelly Bryant's going to be the starter. Tell me, I don't think that surprised any of the three of us. What do you guys think is going to happen during the season? And here's a question for you. At the end of the season, who ends up with the most passing yards? Trevor Lawrence or Kelly Bryant? Matt, I'll let you go first on this one. Oh, that's a that's a tough question, and the uh, the quarterback controversy. Um, it's tough to say. Uh, I mean, I think it really depends on how how Kelly progressed this offseason in this summer. Um, whether that is that's you know that's real that he's made some strides and uh, and definitely won out uh, the quarterback battle from Lawrence, or a little bit of coach speak to. Uh, to, to keep everyone, I guess, uh, um, calm with the, the Trevor Lawrence storm. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, that Kelly uh, starts probably first first three games, I'll say. Um, obviously, we know the ceiling that Trevor Lawrence uh, provides for this team, especially with uh, the downfield threats. Um but I'm, I got to think that at some point, probably midseason or um, 
Trevor Lawrence has really taken those reins and probably getting that that first start. Um, and I'll go ahead and say that I'll, I'll predict that the the majority of passing yards come from uh, from Lawrence's arm this season. Okay, Chris, your thoughts. Yeah, it's a that's a tough tough question because I mean I think we all have an idea of what we think will happen, and uh, oftentimes that's not what always happens on the field. I think. You know, first off, this is a great problem for Clemson to have because um, I know Kelly was really pushed this offseason, and, um, you know, this probably took him to uh, his wits' end, as you can see in the spring game, showing a little emotion from a guy that didn't show any emotion except for positive emotion throughout the season last year. So, um, if anything, I think this has helped uh, Kelly uh, become a little bit better quarterback. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think we know the intangibles that, that Trevor Lawrence brings to the table, and um, those are hard to ignore. Um, and, you know, as far as how this shakes out this year, I, I do think it's Kelly's job to lose. Um, I think he's going to have to do something um, to, to lose the job. I don't think that um, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, you know, if he goes out there and, and he's hitting, you know, touchdowns left and right, then, you know, so be it. Uh, but I do think this shakes down to, to, you know, Kelly having to do something to lose the job, whether that's, you know, turnovers, not being able to hit on those long balls like last year, um, or heaven forbid an injury of some sort that gets, uh, gets Trevor in there. Um, I don't, and if he gets in, I don't see him relinquishing that job. Um, but, but for Kelly's defense, and I'll be brief here. I mean, I think his supporting cast is much improved. Um, last year was his first time starting in, um, I don't know, three years from high school. Um, and, and that's a tough thing for a guy filling in for Sean Watson. So expectations were, um, probably higher than they should have been for him based on what this offense had done in the past. Um, but having those bound receivers like Higgins, Overton, Ross, and, um, some of those other guys and a better offensive line should really help him uh, this year. And I, I'm going to say that Kelly um, ends up with more passing yards than Trevor Lawrence uh, this year. I'm going to play a little devil's advocate there. If if that is devil's advocate saying the starter is going to have more passing yards, I don't know. That is kind of weird to think of it that way, right? You're, you're contrarian saying the starter's going to have more more yards than the, uh, the quote, backup. You know, I've, I've defended Kelly Bryant a lot. Um, over the offseason with some of the things I wrote um, on Clemson Sports Talk. You know, the fact is, is that for whatever reason, Clemson didn't throw deep a lot. And I saw some more stats today on Twitter. I think it's from David Hale that reiterated this. He he missed some. Yes, he missed a a good bit. Most of those came after his uh, ankle injury. I think he was 0 for 11 after that injury on passes of 20 yards or more. Um, up until that point, he had a better completion percentage on deep balls than Deshaun Watson had in the national championship year. Um, so I've spent a lot of the offseason defending Kelly Kelly Bryant. But whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence or Chase Bryce, Clemson needs to throw the ball deep. They didn't do it last year. They threw it deep about half the time they did in the championship season. Why is that? They didn't trust Kelly. They didn't trust the line. They didn't trust the receivers. Maybe all three of them. I don't know. But whoever it is, I think they need to throw the ball deep. And I'm going to go ahead and say, and Chris, I'm going to be a contrarian with you and say Kelly ends up with more passing yards. Um, if for no other reason, he'll hold on to the job for a few a few weeks at least. But I can see him going through the whole season. Let's not forget, this guy led Clemson to the playoff. There's four teams in the playoff, and Clemson was one of them. That you know, the as you said, the expectations were through the roof and impossible to to meet. So, all right, 
hey, Clemson's, uh, everybody's predicting Clemson in the playoffs. A lot of people are predicting Clemson to make it to the championship game, and a good number predicting the Tigers to win it all. So much good in this team. So many athletes all over the field. I want to hear what you guys think the weakest link in the chain is. Chris, you start this one off. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and it's been well discussed pretty much anywhere you listen, but this is probably Dabo's deepest, most talented team from from top to bottom. Um, and so, you know, I think you look at Clemson's starting unit, and I don't know if there is a weak link in that starting unit. And, that, and I mean, that's not me being, um, you know, a fan with my orange tinted glasses on. I think, I think that's just uh, the reality of the situation. I think that's why so many pundits have Clemson where they have them in the rankings. But um, if I were to say weak, it's, it's got to be the uh, secondary depth. Uh, Matt kind of alluded to it earlier about, you know, having a uh, true freshman is probably the fourth corner. Um, and, you know, just from a depth perspective, Clemson cannot afford uh, injuries either at corner or um, the safety position um, just based on uh, the amount of bodies and the amount of experience they have at those positions. So, you know, if there is a weakness, um, it's got to be that secondary depth. But luckily, uh, Clemson's front seven should probably be the best in the nation. Um, and so even if that does become an issue, um, you know, Brent Venable should have a little bit of leeway with what the front seven can do to help those guys out. Matt, what's your take? Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat as, as Chris. And at the same time, it's kind of enjoyable to go through the Clemson depth chart and try to actually rack your brain and search for a, a weakness on this team. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really comes down to, um, the safety depth, particularly for me. I mean, if, uh, Wallace or Muse goes down then how much trust do you got, do you have with, uh, Nolan Turner, or Denzel Johnson, um, behind those guys and even behind them, I mean, um, not really big names in the, in the three deep there. So I think it's really dependent on that depth and what kind of injuries potentially, uh, happen throughout the season. Obviously, they're going to occur, but hopefully that they, uh, they strike at points where uh, where Clemson has depth and, and not somewhere in, in that secondary where um, obviously it could uh, be, be a bit magnified. Yeah, and not to, not to interrupt here, but part of me wonders if um, Clemson did run into trouble at safety if they couldn't slide Isaiah Simmons from that slam, slam linebacker slot back to safety uh, just to kind of fill a void if, if there became one. Um, for whatever reason, because I think Clemson likes their they're starting to and Wallace and Muse, but um, behind those two is obviously unproven. So uh, part of me wonders if that, that ever became a concern if Simmons wouldn't just slide back into that role um, and then, I don't know, slides into the same uh, position, but um, just a thought. No, that, that makes a lot of sense, and we've seen that before. Um, you know, you look at the depth chart and you think, wow, there's not a lot of depth there, but have to consider them, like you said, moving players around. I was going to point to the same position. It's kind of unanimous. The strong safety position behind Kayvon Wallace is Nolan Turner and Hall Morton. Um, so I'm concerned when I see that. Uh, I'd be concerned at any third string strong safety, but, um, you know, uh, that's not a name I'm too familiar with. Uh, but as you said, Chris, they could slide somebody over, hopefully, and, and – make us all three feel a little bit better. Expectations are really high for this team. Uh, And as I just mentioned, when we're talking about Kelly Bryant, this is a team that made the playoff last year and was seen in a lot of, a lot of, by a lot of people as a disappointment because of the year before 
and even the year before that where they made the championship uh, game. You know, Clemson fans are getting used to playing for the championship. Um, it, we've come a long way since those Tommy Bowden days um, and those eight and five seasons. Season expectations. It will, if the Tigers don't win the championship, will it be a disappointment? Even at, let's say, 14 and one. Uh, Matt, you're up first. Another, uh, another tough question. <laughs> In my eyes, and from being a Clemson fan for for quite a few years, I would have to say no, not a disappointment to to go fourteen and one and lose in the championship. However, considering all of the uh, the returning talent, and, and I think what the general fan base consensus is, and you know, just from what I've seen on perusing the message boards, is that confidence is pretty pretty much sky high this year as far as uh, belief that uh, Clemson can run the table and, and, uh, and win the championship. Um, yeah, I, I think that's just kind of where uh, this program is as far as being an elite stage to, uh, to, w- to where you're at a point. Um, it's kind of going back a few years ago, hard to fathom that we really could be at this point of a fan base of, is this a, you know, this question is actually coming up. That is a championship or bust. Um, and then, but I mean, is what it is. It's a good problem to have. Um, but uh, I think for myself, I wouldn't say uh, it's championship or bust, although it would be, be great to see. Um, but I think for the, the general kind of consensus of the fan base, it certainly feels like um, uh, really going to take that next step from, from last season's uh, semifinal loss and, um, that we really have all the talent to put it together and and get it get another national championship, Chris. Yeah, I mean championship or bust. I mean, I'm I'm probably going to say no. Although I think if you you know check the pulse on the fan base, that's that's probably going to be a resounding yes. Um, just with everything going on, but I mean, you know, making the play that that is an expectation for that team, a top four finish and another ACC championship. Um, is an expectation for this team, but to uh, um, sit there and say championship, you know, that's um, that's tough because there there are some other really talented teams um, um, in this college football landscape, and um, so it's really tough to say say that. And I mean, you don't know how the season shakes out. Um, obviously, there's extenuating circumstances that kind of shake everything up, and there will be extenuating circumstances that shake everything up. Whether it's with Clemson uh, remains to be seen, um, but I think the expectation, but based on, you know, three straight ACC titles, three straight playoff appearances, two natty appearances in a couple years. Um, I do think the expectation is that this group gets back to the playoff. Um, and so that, that's kind of what I put it at. Playoff, yes. Championship, not necessarily. Yeah, I 100% agree with both of you guys. For me personally, it's not championship or bust. Last season, uh, the last game and the way the season ended was a disappointment. But considering what – we lost what Clemson lost. Um, it wasn't an overall disappointment for me. A new quarterback, no Mike Williams, Artavis Scott, Wayne Gallman, on and on and on and on and on. This team still made it to uh, – was one of four teams to finish in the playoff. And I, the way I kind of look at this is um, Clemson, you know, played uh, – had a chance to win – uh, two national championships. It could have been either one zero. They came very close to winning zero national championships. 
in the last three years I'm talking about. Came very close to winning zero, um, winning one, or winning two, and they won one of those. You know, they could have easily not won any. It takes some luck. It takes um, good bounces of the ball, whether that's an onside kick that Alabama got the, the year before or, you know, Hunter Renfro's hands in the end zone to secure that final touchdown pass. It takes some luck. And for me, it's not championship or bust. Playoffs, yes, expectation, but not championship or bust. So we, I think we all three agree. All right, this is a little bit more fun exercise. I'm trying not to uh, put you guys in a difficult position on this one. We've talked about a lot of the players and the depth chart and starting quarterbacks and all that stuff. But let's talk about a player folks aren't talking about that you think perhaps has a chance at a breakout season. Chris, you're up first on this one. All right, my guy this year, um, feel pretty good about this one. And, I mean, he, he's been talked about a little bit because he's moving into a starting role, but um, – I'm going to go with Amari Rogers. Um, definitely think of that wide receiver position. He's been overshadowed, um, at least talking-wise, by uh, definitely T. Higgins, um, Hunter Renfro, a known commodity, um, and then even Justin Ross to an extent with how he's blown up since he arrived. But, you know, I think Amari, um, I thought a lot of him when he came in. I actually thought he may have been five-star material, but um, they're very uh, cautious in the recruiting rank as a handout five-star um, rankings to guys that don't have ideal height. Um, but I think Amari is is a perfect fit for Clemson at that slot position. Um, and, when, and when I see him and I watch him play, I, I've watched a lot of his uh, high school film. You know, he, he, he strikes me as a guy that's got Artavis Scott's um, physicality with a little bit better speed. Um, and I think Artavis Scott's probably one of the most underappreciated players in Clemson's history, um, which is kind of tough to say about someone who um, holds a single season or career uh, receptions record. I can't remember which one that is, but um, you know, I think Amari Rogers is a perfect fit for Kelly Bryan as well um, with the uh, mid, uh, mid-range, short-range passing game, which is something that Kelly does a little bit better at. Um, and I think that, that he's in store for an absolute monster year. Um, and I'll even go on record on this podcast saying that Amari Rogers will, have, uh, will lead Clemson in receptions and receiving yards this year. Um, so I, I'm going to go on the record with that, and then uh, we can check back in at the end of the season and see how that looks. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I know he has uh, – Artavis had the uh, career record. Um, I'm not sure about the season record, but I think uh, at least at one point he had the career record. And I agree with you. I really think the the offense, the national championship year offense, that ran through um, uh, Artavis Scott. You know, Of course, there was a lot of other pieces, and Leggett made all the catches and everything. But when that offense wasn't moving, Artavis Scott wasn't getting those three and four and six-yard uh, bubble screens, as folks like to call them. So um, I absolutely agree with you. He was very much underappreciated. Matt, who's your guy? So I actually had uh, had uh, none other than uh, Amari Rogers last year yeah. listed as my top one. So I'm definitely in agreement <laughs> there. I mean, I, I loved his tape coming out of high school. I mean, he's stout, you know, Pretty pretty thick receiver, strong, kind of like almost a, like you said, Artavis Scott 2.0. Um, and really the guy, I mean, everyone likes the T. Higgins and Justin Ross, the, the big uh, jump ball, go-get receivers. But I think Amari Rogers uh, definitely have a big start. Um, but other than other than Rogers, uh, one of the big guys that um, I think could have a big season going into special teams, and we kind of mentioned earlier, is uh is BT Potter. 
Uh, just as far as um, it's been a while since we had a had a had a kicker at Clemson that could consistently create touchbacks, and obviously uh, when you can do that, you know, one year you're limiting the injuries that occur on on the kickoff return game um, and kickoff coverage, and and then number two, uh, you don't obviously have to worry about covering the kickoff returns, which has been uh, a flaw throughout the years at Clemson. Not so much the last last couple kind of have were shored up, but um, obviously came up a uh, um, couple years ago when the the first national championship run season. But uh, BT Potter, uh, first string and kickoff as a true freshman. I'm definitely excited to to see a guy knock it through the uprights on the kickoff. I actually had uh, BT Potter as an or here, um, and uh, my my actual first the first guy I put down, and this is probably wishing more than than is actually going to happen. But I put Braden Galloway down. Um, Clemson needs a tight end. Uh, I hate to say in the mold of Jordan Leggett because it might be a long time before we see a Jordan Leggettish Leggettish tight end uh, <laughs> at Clemson, but we need somebody who uh, can not only catch the ball, but can be athletic enough to make the moves afterwards. And I think he has uh, Galloway has the capability or at least the potential, I should say to do that. in the little bit I've seen him, I know he's been banged up and missed some practice, but I'm going to roll the dice. Uh, obviously, Mario Rogers is the more sure bet, but uh, Hey, I'm going for the long shot. All right, guys, we talked about um, season expectations a couple of questions ago. I'm going to put you on the, on the uh, firing line again. Over, under, wins on the season. Now, this includes ACC championship games and playoffs. Typically, when they do these preseason over-unders, they only go through the first 12 games, not, not knowing whether a team's going to have a 13th, 14th, or 15th game. Well, we're pretty confident here. So we've set the over-under at, at uh, 13.5. Matt, you go first. So I'm going to be the, uh, the hater this year um, and, and go with the under 13 and a half. Um, so I, I guess season, season, regular season-wise, uh, I'm kind of pegging Clemson as 11 and 1. I don't know where that loss comes up, but it's just – it's it's too hard for me to to pick an undefeated year. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Boston College could be a, a decent opponent. Uh, Florida State later in the season, once they've kind of got their things together with with uh, Tiger at the new head position, will be will be pretty formidable formidable down in Tallahassee. And then going from there, if you're eleven and one there, say twelve and one ACC championship, thirteen and one. You can win that uh, that first playoff game, and then I gotta go ahead and guarantee a championship too. It's just a little too much too much for me to hit that over thirteen and a half. So uh, I'm gonna be lame and go under thirteen and a half, and uh, go with the with championship or bust. I guess it's gonna be a bust season for the Clemson Tigers. All right, under thirteen and a half for Matt. Chris, your turn. Matt, I like your style. It's kind of the uh, undersell, over-deliver is what we're hoping for out, out of the bunch this year. But, um, you know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to go over, um, you know, I think as we sit here in, in late August and um, we look at the schedule and we look at the talent um, that Clemson's got and, um, you know, thinking about how they're going to be favored and they should be, they will be favored in every game this year um, if those lines were put out today. Um, and, and most of those games, double-digit um, favorites at that. 
Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the toughest test is going to come game two um, on the road at Texas A&M just because that environment. Um, and I think if they, if they pass that, then um, the schedule sets up great for them to, to run the table during the regular season. Now, same thing could have been said the last couple of years, and, and there's always been that slip-up game. So um, that's there. But, um, you know, I think that that's really, really tough to predict. I'm of the belief that um, either Clemson or Alabama, um, one of those two teams this year is going to be the first team in history to go 15-0. and um, And as I sit here, like I said, in the August, um, I can't help but think that, that has a, uh, Clemson has a great opportunity to be that team. Um, so I'm going to go over, um, and we'll see what it looks like. Uh, you know, here's the season gets going. Wow. Okay, we got one over, one under, and I'm the deciding vote here. Um, I have very similar feelings to actually to both of you. Um, I kind of thought about um, it's going to be real tough to go 12-0. and 0. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, apologies to UCF, but uh doesn't happen very often. And Clemson just accomplished it a couple of years ago. Um, but has, since then, has found that one loss somewhere along the way. Um, Pittsburgh two years ago, and obviously Syracuse. Now Syracuse, there was a you know a reason for that, not an excuse, but a reason. An injured quarterback on the road in the loudest stadium in America. Um, but I. I'm going to go over also. I think Clemson may lose one game. They may end up 11 and 1 uh, in the regular season. Also, don't know where that loss is. Could see it in a couple places, maybe. Um, but I do think they win the ACC championship game to put them at 12. I do think they win that first playoff game to go to 13. And I guess I'll let it ride on the championship game. And I'll take, I'll take my chances, man. Um, I think this team is primed and ready for a really, really good season, hopefully a championship season. Um, you know, one thing I skipped over in the uh, in our agenda here is I wanted to talk a little bit, it's kind of out of order here, but Lynn J. Dixon seems to be getting a lot of press, a lot of uh, praise. Now, he's fourth on the depth chart behind ETN and uh, Choice and Feaster. How much do we really think he's going to play? Is this a Rendrick Taylor type, you know, preseason um, favorite player? Uh, you know, you saw the coaches pull him back a little bit later in camps and, oh, he needs to, uh, you know, pick up his pass pro. How much do you guys really think he's going to play? And considering the new four-game freshman redshirt rule, Chris, I'll let you go first on this. So um, initially off the cuff, I'm going to say he's not going to play near as much as um, he's been hyped up the last couple of weeks. And I think the same thing could be said for uh, for Justin Ross, although there's always a little more opportunity at receiver uh, based on how many bodies can kind of run out there. But, you know, I think I always said the same thing about Travis Etienne last year um, with Fuller, um, Eastern and Choice. Um, I had him there. I didn't, you know, I, we heard all the good things. and But I was like, you know, he's got three guys that, um, have kind of been there, done that a little bit ahead of him. And, you know, I think that's, you know, the same kind of mold that, um, you know, Dixon's looking at here. Although I think a little more dynamic this year in, in Clemson's three backs versus last year. Um, and so I'm going to say he's probably not going to play that much. I do think that um, he's going to avoid that red shirt just to get some meaningful snaps. So Clemson has three viable options next year. I think um, the staff definitely wants to get him in and there should, certainly should be some opportunities late in games. Um, for him to eat up some carries and just, uh, you know, get some on-field reps. 
Um, and I think special teams may be a, an area he can kind of carve himself out a role in as well. Um, if he's as dynamic as, uh, as what's being reported um, from some of these guys getting to watch these practices. So uh, probably not playing as much as, as some may think, uh, but, but not redshirting this year. Okay, Matt, what's your take? Yeah, I think uh, obviously everyone's kind of drawing comparisons of the, the early returns of Dixon's performances and in, in practice to, to that of ETN last year. And, um, you know, while that's uh, obviously high, high praise and whatnot, I, I do think that the stable of running backs, you know, for the first three of ETN, Choice, and Feaster is uh, a little stronger and a, and a good mix of uh, – speed and power and, and talent overall um, than there was last year. So I kind of see a, have a hard time seeing him get significant snaps this year, um, especially in big games, barring potential injuries. But I think he uh, will probably be on the cusp um, of redshirt. Uh, but I think uh, it's a really good example of the new redshirt rule coming in of, of how he how he progresses and how things go. Um, and the snaps that he does get, in, at least that we'll be able to see him on the field, and you know probably as soon as this weekend, um, getting some reps and uh, being able to utilize those four games that uh, that he's allowed to to kind of kind of see how he performs um, in game and as a possible option down the road if there were an injury to come up or if he uh, he kind of outperforms and uh, exceeds all expectations as well. Yeah, I think that. Redshirt rule is going to be a game changer. Um, I, maybe I don't know in his in Dixon's particular case, but I mean it's a good chance he's going to play Saturday, as you said. But remember last year, uh, ETN played against Kent State and then didn't play the next week against Auburn. That may be the situation here, and and I think the eventually there's going to be some blowouts that the staff has to make a decision on whether. You know, he has up to four games, whether they want to burn that redshirt year or just having play in four games and then hold him out unless there's an injury. So I think it's it's going to be a close call, and I don't think he's going to get significant snaps barring injury or, excuse me, significant carries um, during uh, meaningful snaps uh, during crunch time uh, barring injury. I just It's not the history of the staff. It happened last year uh, with ETN. But um, he was just so incredible. You couldn't keep him out of the lineup for a while there. But you saw him tail off at the end. He didn't have any 50-yard rushes um, late in the season. Uh, So there's always that curve there as a freshman. I shouldn't say always. C.J. Spiller had no curve as a freshman. So um, I don't think he's going to see any significant uh, snaps barring an injury to one of the other running backs. All right, guys, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Chris? Um, yeah, uh, I think it, it broke later um, or earlier today um, that James Skalski uh, may be heading for a red shirt, which I thought was pretty interesting news and um, probably probably a good move for both parties. Um, I think he's been battling a shoulder, some type of some type of injury um, this spring and really or this spring, um, this summer and hadn't played too much, so – um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see if uh, if he does go through with that red shirt, and if if so, um, you know that that's nice for both parties because I think Clemson's got the depth there that that they can kind of go along without him right now. He's a great player, um, very instinctual player, as we saw at the end of last year when he had to fill in um, for Trey Lamar. But 
Um, you know, I mean, it's always helpful to have um, that redshirt year for some guys that they're going to stay around the program for a little bit. And, um, you know, that may uh, carve out a nice little role for him next year, um, pending his health moving forward. Man, I love that guy. I love to see him on special teams. Now, with B.T. Potter, may not need him as much, but that guy will oh, uh, knock some heads on special teams and even when he gets in the game, obviously. Matt, you got anything before we, before we wrap it up? Not not too much other than just uh, looking forward to another season. Um, obviously, expect, expectations are, are sky high and uh, hoping that um, – uh, you know the, the Tigers meet their expectations and uh, exceed that uh, that over thirteen and a half, and uh, that I, I proved me wrong. Um, and uh, another thing I was thinking about is I did we record a podcast last season? I don't think so. Did we? We did not. We did not. So I want to want to put down that the only season that the three of us got together for podcasts, the the Clemson Tigers won a national championship. <laughs> Uh, one I know in seasons of Southern Muse Reserve podcasts, uh, national championships, and uh, we'll see if we can bring home another one. That uh, now that we got together, I think it's I think it's only right now at this point. That's a great point. The Tigers are undefeated when we do podcast because uh, <laughs> I don't think we did one uh, before the national championship game. I think you guys were out at the game, and I was uh, in the beer, and uh, I don't think we did one before the Natty. So we are undefeated on podcast. Uh, or the Clemson's undefeated. <laughs> Clemson's undefeated when we do a podcast. So look out, Furman. Hey guys, it's been a couple of years. I really appreciate you taking the time and putting up with my lack of technical <laughs> expertise and getting this thing started. But thanks so much. And uh, let's do this again uh, at some other point in the season. Touchdown! Yeah, enjoy it. Enjoyed it thanks, Marty. Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34. 31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history.